What if all you needed to get better in every way was available at the touch of a hand or the sound of a voice or even a vibration? Let's talk about how that happens, who can do it, and where to find them. I'm John Webster, and this is The Hesitant Healer. Greetings, humans. Uh, You're about to listen to a new episode. I want to throw a couple things in here uh, before we start. Um, Number one is a trigger warning. This has some pretty graphic talk in there about some abuse. And if it's something that you think might trigger you, you might want to hold off or be in a safe space before you listen to this. Uh, The other is a way of explanation. Um, I think I've talked about this before, but uh, as an empathic person, sometimes you get near someone or sometimes I'm in a room with somebody who's Uh, giving off a lot of energy that is a resonant energy within my space, and I will pick it up and uh, cry like a baby. And this whole talk, every time she opened her mouth and told most of the story, I was pretty much in tears the entire time. So you will hear uh, smatterings in my voice about uh, whether or not I can speak. A lot of the silence that's in here is because I couldn't open my mouth because I had tears streaming down my face. Um, This is in response to what she was saying because I resonated with it. It was also in response to uh, feeling her energy as she told the story. And um, so what happens is I pick that up and kind of regurgitate it back in the form of emotion. So uh, with that and no further ado, we will introduce you into Jesse's story. Here we go. Greetings and welcome to the Hesitant Healer. I'm John Webster here with the trusty sidekick, Lisa Kay. What's up, Lisa? Hey, everybody. How's it going? We're here in Redlands, California on a brutal 106 degree day. Coming off of the major hurricane. We survived the hurricane (laughs) of 2023. Almost. Did you have your kayak out? I no kayak, but I really want to print t-shirts. I survived the hurricane. You think they'll do well? I don't know. I don't know. That's a possibility. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, we're going to get right to it because this is going to be an awesome, epic, deep, oh my God, did we land somebody cool kind of podcast today. Really is. Yes. Um, this is a person uh, I've known, let's say, ancillarily in this town for a couple of years. She's a yogi, and we used to go to her yoga classes. And she was the kind of yoga teacher that, like, the minute you lay on your mat and the lights go low, and then she opens her mouth, you just go, ha, ah, because her voice is just like just angelic right so she used to teach yin at the vasa yoga that we go to and um i've worked on her once or twice i think anyway she came in uh last week and had been to an ayahuasca ceremony in costa rica and um here we go (laughs) i can i can feel her energy from here and i'm already picking it up and i'm just gonna i'm gonna get all teary-eyed and cry because i can feel her from here she's right across the table from me and so she told us a little bit about our journey and i stopped her and said stop would you do the podcast she's like sure i'm like okay let's just do that because if she talked more about it really i'm gonna get emotional as hell here (laughs) (laughs) that's cool though because it means it's for reals um, and I'm going to let you introduce her, Lisa Kay. But here to tell us her story is, I'll say it. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm like, I can't. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. yeah. Jesse De La Tejera. 
I got it right, huh? You did. The first try. You did, yes. All right. I'm proud of you, really. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about you, Jesse. What's going on? Uh, how did you start? Because I just learned a, a factual piece of information about you that I did not know. Uh, go. So starting with my, my journey with plant medicine, I studied uh, Mayan shamanic entheobotany as an undergrad in the realm of cultural anthropology. My husband uh, took me to my first Grateful Dead show where I took my first dose of mushrooms. I married the man who took me to my first Dead show and gave me my first dose of mushrooms. (laughs) Nice. I like that story. That's a good one. So that was was my beginning with with plant medicine. Um, And for the most recent journey that I've been on, so I have a history with depression, uh, biochemically and due to post-traumatic stress. And I've carried this trauma with me my whole life. I've constantly been seeking uh, healing and lightening of the load. And I've used a lot of different methods. I've used talk therapy. I've used uh, yoga and some kind of out of the box therapies that all bring me to a certain platform and have offered tools, but not true healing. Would it be fair to say you've always been searching? This is childhood trauma, yeah? Yes. And that that uh, one of the things that happened as you were growing through it is you started searching for healing in a lot of different areas, yeah? Absolutely. I, there's a, a part of my spirit that's always grown towards the light and has always wanted to be well and and i praise that part of myself now and always that there's always been a part of me that has wanted to uh, let things go but i haven't been able to and so leading up to my most recent journey uh, i was in a depressive state the holidays are a trigger for me and it was after thanksgiving that i was crying a lot and i like to be alone during those times, I feel like I just want to go inside of a cave and not be seen, not have to present. But I do, I have to work and I have to go through things. And my husband finally looked at me and he said, are you okay? Mm. And I just looked at him and I shook my head no. And that's not something I often do. Mm. So this was a really pivotal time because I asked for help. Oh, that's a huge step. This is a big deal for you. It's a really big deal in general. And and for me especially, I said, I'm not doing well, actually. I'm I'm really not doing well at all. Um, Had had there been a lead up to that? Or is it just one of those things like the holidays came and you just boom, it just all kind of fell in on you? No, it's a constant lead up. I would say that 80% of my consciousness and my thinking mind was held up in looping through trauma stories. I would be talking to you as I am right now, and my mind would still be looping into trauma stories constantly. So any waking moment, I would be replaying and revisiting these stories in a way that I was aware of doing, but couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. And so I was reliving the trauma constantly, physiologically, spiritually, emotionally, all the time. And... Can I... Can I... Backtrack a little bit and ask yeah. a question about, because I know you were you were a pretty steady yoga teacher, mm-hmm. and I would imagine yoga is part of that healing journey for you. But based on what you just said, um, 
did that kind of stave off where you ended up here? Because you hadn't taught in what, about a year? Right. I did take a sabbatical because I am a student for the Insight Yoga Institute. So I've been on a healing journey through this certification that has helped me in so many ways. In fact, the journey that I just went on counted towards 50 hours of elective. Oh, nice. So, but I guess what I'm asking is, but did, did stopping that or taking the sabbatical aid in getting you to this place that you just talked about? Mm. Um, I see what you're saying. I don't think so. I think I really needed to take a step back in order to take care of myself. But that 20% would have been taken up by my yoga practice, my meditation practice, oh, okay. these other things that I'm able to employ, these tools that I have incorporated through my healing practices that I am able to come out of the thinking, but I've also determined that my doingness, my busyness, my hyper uh, vigilance was a coping mechanism Absolutely. to get out of my Absolutely. loops. So, yeah. so I had this conversation with my husband and said, I think I really need some help. And he said, what does that look like? What do you mean? I said, I'm not sure yet, but I, I definitely need help. That's a good husband right there. He's great. Oh my gosh. He's amazing. And so I said, you know, I'm going to go for a walk, which is helpful. And during this walk, I was contemplating what I needed. And I remembered that Spring Washam, who is someone I've been following since the pandemic, she's um, a Buddhist and meditation teacher who offers plant medicine retreats. She offered a retreat during a time I can actually go because I am a, a school teacher, so I have to work with my schedule. And she's never offered these dates. She was offering uh, July. Wow. And I was thinking about that. It came up a lot during my walk, and I came home and I said, I think I know what I need. I think I know where the help can come from. And my husband said, sign up now, yeah. go. Like, why aren't you registering yet? <laughs> Do it. I love that, that other story you just told about that person that had been to the ceremony, this is prior to that? Uh, this is after. after. So I okay. did, yeah. So uh, before this, I did have a friend who I saw at a work-related event who pulled me aside and said, I, I really need to talk to you. I need you to know that I've just done ayahuasca. And during my ceremony, I saw you. And she told what? me <laughs> that I need to tell you that she's waiting for you. Oh, my gosh. Now, I, you told that to us earlier, <laughs> and I got chills. And I just got chills again. So that's so powerful. Wow. So that planted the seed. I had been contemplating it. I'd been wondering about it. And then when she told me that, I thought, okay, it's definitely time. And then when I had this depressive episode and went on the walk and these dates came up, I thought, this is it for me. And it's not cheap. No. no. And so this is kind of one of those cream of the crop, like really, really nice retreats, very supportive. And I didn't jump in right away. I, I applied. I had an interview. Um, and I really thought about the price. And I, and I told my husband, are you sure? What happens? Because I had doubt. What happens if I spend all this money and this time and energy and it doesn't work? Mm. And he said, then you're not done yet. Wow. What a gem. You, you, <laughs> should, you should marry that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think she did. <laughs> so, so I think once I finally made the financial and energetic commitment... I was already connected to the medicine 
And I was already feeling a sense of relief because I knew that help was on its way. And that was nine months. I signed up. I was one of the first people to sign up. I was very early, but I knew that that was what I needed. Um, but you, you asked for help. I did. And then you got the help. And then this is hitting me hard. <laughs> and then the doors just started flinging open. And it's really because I've been in that position, which is why I'm so emotional about this. And then it's really hard to backtrack and say, yeah, but, yeah, but, oh, wait a minute. Because mm -hmm. when they start flinging open like that and you can see it, at some point you just have to get in and go, you know, I mean, I asked for help and here's the answer. Yeah. I guess I should do it. <laughs> yeah. And I had to keep that in mind because I started to read a lot and research a lot. And right. it's not for everybody. Some people have had negative experiences with it. Um, but I had to stop and have faith that this is meant for me. Mm -hmm. This medicine is going to do the things that it promises to do mm -hmm. because that's what my intention is. Mm -hmm. And so it was a long travel getting into this really remote rainforest area in Costa Rica. It was, you know, my six hour flight. And then the following morning, we took an hour um flight on a domestic flight which is just a little 12 seater a little puddle jumper yep and then we were in a, a van from there for about two hours we got out of the van to get into four-wheel drive vehicles nice. to, <laughs> to go over the terrain that was necessary to bring us to this eco lodge <laughs> this called point, luna lodge <laughs> we're <Yeah>. in <laughs> there's no escape now um, and so I'm just going to jump right into oh. ceremony one. We had five ceremonies. They really kind of blended together as one big ceremony. And this, the unique thing about what's being offered, it's called Lotus Vine Journeys, is that it's incorporating Buddhism. Buddhism and meditation with the plant medicine. So we had Dharma talks and we had the integration of the Buddhist teachings, which is something that I've leaned on heavily to help my mind in many ways. Did you have to be a Buddhist to go to this? Absolutely not. And I'm not Buddhist. Okay. I don't claim to be Buddhist, but I do practice Buddhism um, for all of its benefits. Right. And so I really appreciate the philosophy and I appreciate the Dharma um, it helps me very much with, with mindfulness techniques. Mm -hmm. So uh, we get there. Next day, it was ceremony time. Wow. And this is not to say without proper preparation. We follow a special dieta. We make sure that our bodies, our minds, our spirits are, are ready for it. And so I followed that really diligently. And if I remember correctly, that was like the month before you went. Didn't you have to do a whole month of uh, changing your diet? And uh, yeah, as far uh, as far as you can mm -hmm. uh, before going. But the recommendation is at least two weeks. So I started to taper things off and I didn't want to slam my whole system. <laughs> this, is, this is a so. cleansing of sorts or it's a yes. cleansing? It's a cleansing and there are also counter... Um, things that counter chemically the medicine. And so you want to make ah, sure that you eliminate okay. them from okay. your diet. So there's that. Um, so going into it, um, there's a maloka, which is your ceremony space. And we're all in a big circle. And the facilitators are at the front with an altar. Those are the music musicians, the shaman, the person um, offering the medicine. And then there are su there's support helpers that come around and make sure that you're you're cared for 
And I was right next to them, which I was grateful for. Mm -hmm. But it meant that I was last to take the medicine every day. Oh, wow. For every ceremony. So I was last. And there was so much commotion in the room. For most of us, it was our first time. Mm -hmm. So everyone started to come on before I did. What's that time frame? Like a few minutes? Or uh, like about 20 minutes. So about 20 see, minutes. You get to see some people going into it. They're going into it. So you're hearing a lot. Uh, you're hearing laughter. You're hearing people vomiting. You're hearing um, there was thunder and lightning. People are getting up to use the restroom. There's crying. There's just a lot of commotion. And I remember having the thought of this is uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> this is unpleasant. I, I'm not liking this. And I had a conversation with her the whole time. And I call her the medicine uh, grandmother. I had a conversation with her the whole time asking her to please be gentle. Oh, yes. I like that. To please come on slowly for me. And I kept staring at the fire thinking, are you here? Are you here? I don't, I don't feel it yet, but I definitely know people in the room are feeling it. Right. So maybe I need to wait until they give a second cup. Maybe it's just not hitting me. Mm. Well, let me tell you, by the time they offered the second cup, I thought it was absolutely crazy for anybody <laughs> to be going up there to get a second cup. Wow. It hit me really hard, but she came on very gently and she told me, remember, remember you asked me to come on gently? Wow. And I said, I, yes, thank you. Oh. And then she came and I, I finally laid down. I was sitting up for some time. I laid down and it felt like I was having a surgery. I had sharp, energetic sparks of light feeling wow. in certain parts of my mind, my brain, my body. And I knew that there was a detangling happening a sorting out of my neural pathways of my whole body, my whole being. And she started to talk to me and we had been told that she'll talk to you in a voice or a cadence that you resonate with. Mm. So it could be your German grandmother's voice. For me, it was a very, very charismatic gay man's voice. And so she was saying things like, uh-uh, girl, you know, that does not belong here. I got such a visual. Sean Hayes. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> yeah. And this is not for you, girl. Mm -mm. And we are not doing that. And that leaves us forever. You got that. And so she was speaking to me in that way as we were kind of oh sorting God, things out. Hilarious. And she was so hilarious. Cool. There was a sense of humor that I connected with where I was just chuckling. And I, I think I'm pretty funny. And so <laughs> it was great to have someone who thought I was funny. Nice. And in my mind, we were talking and when it started to feel like it was going really fast, I could say, can you please slow down? It's going too fast. And she would. So you could regulate within the within the context of the way the medicine was working. Very much I've so. I've never heard that before. That's cool. Someone had told me that I could do that. And I think that my meditation practice really helped me to have the skill set to be able to recognize that it was going too fast. That things were racing and I wasn't grasping it and I really wanted to be present is is that different for you in the context of how you've negotiated through your trauma in the past that because you couldn't ask for help prior to you also couldn't really regulate how you were going through the loop and this was different um it, it was different because I had support ah. nice okay okay yeah I had help and 
I think that's the biggest difference of this plant medicine than any other I've ever had is that she has a clear intention of healing you in every way. And so after the humor and the onset and, and kind of this, this surgery that I was feeling happening, um, she took me into a vision of a room where I had been sexually abused from the age of three to 13. I'd been in this room before with other healers, with other healing modalities. Um, and so I was very familiar with what we had to do there. And so I was in the energy of the room, myself as I am now, or as I was in this healing spirit hospital is what they call the Maloka. Oh. And, and with ayahuasca. And she went straight to the mattresses and peeled them open and took out the Polaroid pictures that had been taken of me as a child through the years. Oh, my goodness. Is this the first time you've... Ooh, boy. Is this the first time you've done that in that room through the other therapies? You had not done that before. Uh, we'd not looked at the pictures. I'm a, I, Was it a new memory? Not a new memory. I a very old repressed okay. memory. So I've, I've always known that they were there. Sure. Um, I had remembered seeing them throughout my childhood. Oh my. I'm and sorry. so, that, that was like, yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. And so these photographs were laid out for me on the mattress and I had to look at them. And I mean, really look at them. And the first thing that happened when I looked at them was that I remembered being a child and looking at the pictures and criticizing my body. Wow. That's what she showed me. She said, remember what you said when you saw this picture? Oh my goodness. You were, you were saying you're, you have fat thighs or criticizing your body and how, can I cuss? Absolutely. <laughs> how, fucking, how fucking asinine is that? And it's, then, it's also a trained behavior pattern. It's part of the abuse. Very yeah. much. And then she showed me how I see myself in the mirror and I try to pull my skin back or I criticize my body now. And she said, there's no difference. So you oh. got to see the beginnings and the origin of that behavior. Pattern. Yes. Wow. And she was just like, you stop that. <laughs> you <laughs> were stopping that. And I, I had told her from the beginning, I promised to listen. Mm. And so we recognize that pattern with these pictures and then the injustice of it. And I got to be with these photographs, and one by one, we clothed her. Wow, that's powerful. We clothed each version of me in each of these photographs until at the end they merged and became one little girl with the cutest little frilly dress <laughs> and little bows in her hair. <laughs> and I held my hand out. And I took her by the hand and I said, let's go. We're getting out of here. Mm -hmm. And I walked her out of that room and down the stairs. And I said, what do you want to do now? And she said, I want to look at flowers and kittens. And I was like, we can do that. Flowers and kittens it is. Let's go. And so I held her hand and I was showing her all of these rainforest flowers. And there were kittens and we were playing and then ayahuasca came in with her sense of humor because um, I'm a cat person. 
<laughs> and she said, well, what about puppies? And I just started laughing and I was like, well, I'm not barbaric. I mean, puppies are baby animals. Come on. Puppies are fine. But she made me laugh. And it was what I needed to kind of be taken out of this really deep work that we had just done. And then she continued to bring her sense of humor in it. And she, uh, we had this whole business model for um, an adopt a redneck foundation. <laughs> I love this is, that. This is just the first ceremony. <laughs> this is ceremony one. This is ceremony one. This is ceremony one. Yeah. Well, she wasn't messing around. Not at all. Wow. And I had not gone in there. I've really done a lot of work around my sexual abuse and trauma, especially with the loving patience of my husband. There's been a lot of healing around there. So I didn't go in intending to look at this or, or work with this. No, but be careful what you ask for. Yeah. She took me straight there. Wow. And so the evening went on. Uh, we get released back to our, our, you know, well, the end ceremony. And then you can either stay or you can go back to your room. And I chose to go back to my room around 3.30 in the morning. Um, and then the next day, you, you don't really sleep much. The howler monkeys wake you up at five o'clock in the morning. It's nice. nature's alarm. Right, right. <laughs> and then we have an integration circle. And I did share in the integration circle exactly what I just shared with you, which was a very vulnerable thing to do. Um, there were a lot of gasps in the circle, you know, and you think, am I going to be traumatizing anyone here by actually sharing my trauma? Mm -hmm. um, but I did it. We were encouraged to to share the rawness of your experience. And so I did. And I felt kind of elated from that. The medicine is still strong mm -hmm. until a little later, <laughs> you know, and then the next day it's ceremony too. It's already there. Wow. And it really started to land what happened in ceremony one for me and ceremony two mm. uh, that day before we were going into it. I cried a lot. Is it wave-like? You, you let the, uh, you have the story and then the emotion catches up to you like on day two? For yeah. me, it was like that. Um, okay. Even it was, it was even the following day because I'm still oh, sure. recovering yeah, from yeah, ceremony. Yeah, yeah. And then the next day was when it started to land. And so I never felt the urge to purge in ceremony, but it came in other ways like crying. So sure. I started to cry. I cried a lot and I spoke with spring. Um, and I said, I really just want to be alone and go scream with the howler monkeys right now. That's really what I want to do. And our Dharma. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Our Dharma talk for that day was this contemplation of what would it feel like to forgive everyone for everything? Wow. And we had to talk about that. And I was like, do you even know, you know, even with my group, you have no idea what I carry. Um, you know, my mother shot me. I, did you hear what I shared last night? You know, I carry so much heavy trauma it's really hard for me to contemplate this, but this is what I'm here for and it's what I want. I want to forgive everyone for everything. So I think that willingness needs to be honored. I have the will, I really, really want to. And so that's what I was thinking of going into it. And I had also had this idea that my conscious thinking narrator mind mm -hmm. would be taking a back seat during ceremony. Mm -hmm. And she very much was a part of it. <laughs> <laughs> and and spring said well you don't want to be unconscious i mean she's really important she's what who brought you here and so that interaction was then shifted from i'm surprised you're here to oh you're helpful and we're gonna make sure that you're part of it so awesome. something familiar yeah, yeah. 
So then ceremony two, um, I felt it right away. I recognized her right away and I asked for a little bit more. So I did have a little bit stronger of a dose. Um, it came on very beautifully, a lot of geometric shapes and light and the music started and uh, I just felt waves of, of healing and beauty. I was seeing into my daughter and generations um, of, of trauma and understanding why things were the way they were. So really able to just see a really big picture into um, my bloodline. Mm. And while the music was playing, I had this vision of the shaman at a table, like a panel. He was in front of a panel of people. He was speaking very low and very serious in a different language. What it was, was that he was negotiating my freedom. Oh, wow. I had been held captive for lifetimes. And held captive as in this woman part of me that can be bought or sold. Mm. I was sold. And I was being held. And it was the reason why I couldn't get out of my thought loops. Because I was being spiritually imprisoned by them. Wow. Because somewhere those abusers were still benefiting from my thinking about it. That is so profound and deep. And true. Yeah. And so as soon as the negotiation was made mm -hmm. and my freedom was granted, I dropped back and the ayahuasca started to go over my body like a 3D printer wow. and just started to insert everything into me because my question was going into it who am i without these trauma stories yeah that's a big one i don't know who i am right right she told me and she dropped it into my body like a 3d printer just scanning just putting it back into me telling me all of my talents and the things that i love and the way i get to live now and the way I get to be joyful and the things that I get to pursue and all of my Spanish heritage and my great grandmother's smiling and my Mayan roots and um, the love I have in my life, it was just all given back to me. Mm. And then every moment after that was just a celebration of my homecoming. That's what it felt like. <laughs> so beautiful. So, oh, oh. I've had this experience, too, not as not profound that way, not with ayahuasca, but you kind of wake up and get this and realize that all the work that you've done, it's not like you had to start from scratch. So a lot of times with this kind of trauma and looking into the healing of the trauma, the fear, the deep impending fear has to do with, like you said, who am I going to be without this? I remember when my therapist took anger away, it was like, who the fuck am I going to be now if I can't be this angry? But it turns out there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that I'd been working towards to get through this that I wasn't using, but it was there because it was part of my journey in the first place that when it was finally taken away, it's not much of a drop. It turns out I am a good person. I am whole. I do have all the family stuff. I, I, I am an artist. I do, you know, love food and all the things that came with me. And so uh, um, the encouraging part of what you just said and to people who are 
thinking about going through this or who are scared to go through the healing journey is you've made it this far and you're going to be okay and it's not as bad as you think. And if you if you give it a whirl, whatever whatever that universe takes you to, it's entirely possible that you're going to be okay mm-hmm. when you get through it. That's day two. That was that was ceremony two. <laughs> that was ceremony two. Wow. Um, and again, I I went back to my room. Um, it was a warmer night. I just wanted, or actually, I was freezing that night. But I'm in the jungle, right? And I, I just had the sensation as a side effect of the medicine that I was freezing. Oh, wow. So I wanted to go back to my room and kind of take a warm shower and, and celebrate the fact that I'm here now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm back inside of myself and I completely let the trauma stories go. I let them go in one ceremony, wow. dropped them. So then by ceremony three, <laughs> I'm thinking, what else is there? <laughs> I did so much work in these first two ceremonies. I was actually feeling very tired by this point. You think? You know, yeah. You're you're a week in the jungle. I'm I'm getting mauled by mosquitoes. Um, there's no air conditioning. I mean, we're in an, an eco lodge, so you're hot. You're showering lots of times a day. Nothing gets dry. Your bed clothes are are damp and. You're, you're in it. You're starting to really get into it. And so before ceremony, I didn't do much but but lay and just try to rest. And I actually napped. I'm, I'm not much of a napper. Wow. And when I woke up, it was time to go to ceremony. Uh-huh. So I went into the ceremony a little groggy, unfocused, um, tired, and, and just kind of in the middle of it. And when it was my turn to take my medicine, and I'll say this because I replayed this often during my experience, Spring went to give me the cup and she looked at me and drew it back and said, ooh, do you maybe want a little less? And I said, how about a little more? Oh, nice. I uh, like that. But is it? Let's see. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> um, so I, I took a lot of medicine that night, the most that I, I had taken uh, or would be taking. And so as it started to, uh, time started to pass, mm-hmm. I heard people coming on and I started to get really hypercritical in my mind. Mm. I started to judge everything. I started to feel like, oh, Maybe it loses its strength. It's not coming on the way it did the first two times. I'm not really feeling it. And I had had conversations with other people who were just expressing how some of the music they didn't care for or it hit them a certain way. So then I'm thinking, ooh, is this the kind of music they don't like? Is this the part of it that they're not having a good time with? Are they okay? I was caught up in other people's stories, caught up in my own thinking and thinking, oh, I guess this is just how this one's going to go. I'm just not really going to have much, right. you know. Well, all of a sudden she said, you do that. You do that, you know. And I went, uh, you're hypercritical of everything. Oh every single thing, all the time. You're always doing that. You do it to yourself. And I need you to know that when you are dissatisfied with something, you have a look on your face that could kill. And your daughter has been on the receiving end of that look for most of her life. Oh. 
Ouch. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, now we're all teary. Just so you all know. <laughs> it's what, well, when I, when I tell this part of the story, my husband says, well, me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that look. And so I thought, oh, boy, you're, you are here. And you are in my thoughts. And now I'm in trouble. And there's no turning back because I took all of this medicine and you're in me and you're here and we're going to deal with this. And so I think kind of wrapping up what happened in the ceremony, I went to the hell realm. I really, really went down under. The next thing she said was, you want to work on this, remember? And the, this that she was talking about um, is part of a, a deep area in my consciousness around sex and sexuality and the things that I would think of in order to reach orgasm. Mm -hmm. And these images and these things that had been embedded in my mind in a distorted way in habitually distorted way that I have always wanted to not do or have help with, but it was so far back in there. Yeah. I would have never Ingrained asked. And trained. Yes. Yeah. I would have never asked for help or had it written in my journal or anything like I want help with this. Right. But right away she dug super deep in there and said, wow. how about this? Shall we work on this? Uh. And I went, uh-huh. <laughs> These are the Polaroids in your mind. Yes. Yeah. Very much. And, and I said, yes, yes, I told you I'm here for it. We're doing it. And it was brutal. It was just, yeah, I, I had to see things and I had to understand the root of things. And I was writhing. It was so hard to be in my body. The energy of the medicine through my body had me just like grasping onto my clothes and writhing. It was, I, I couldn't find any of my practices to soothe me. I don't even know if I was breathing. Mm. I couldn't remember to alleviate any of what I was experiencing with my practices. You were forced mm. to feel it. I was in you it. You were raw. You had nothing yeah. left. Mm. So I, and I was sweating. It was one of the hottest nights. I was sweating buckets. Mm. That was my form of purging. So just writhing and sweating. My hair was drenched. And I was just in the suffering of it. And I kept thinking about that moment when she said, do you want less medicine? And I said more. <laughs> <laughs> and um, finally, one of the helpers came over and he said, how are you doing? And I, and here is another moment where I said, I need help. Oh, wow. I'm struggling. And he was in full action. So he sat by my side, he held my hand, and he started to, you know, do his spiritual practices, just helping me center. And even as I held his hand, my body just couldn't stop moving. I, I couldn't help how I was writhing in these moments because then I was in a room with a little girl who was being abused. Mm. And I was experiencing the things that she had to do to disengage from her body right. in order to survive. Right. And I wanted to stop the whole ceremony and I wanted to sound the alarm. This is an emergency. What are we doing? We have to do something. Right. 
And it was really hard to just be there and in this group when I had this feeling of urgency and despair around what we know is happening. And so I had to work through that. I had to be in it. I had to feel it. And finally, what came back to me, because I asked her, how is this helpful? How is this healing anyone or anything? What are we doing here in this hell realm? Right. And she said, this is the practice of Tonglen, which is the Buddhist practice of being able to hold the suffering of others with your own in compassion. And she said, not many can do this for these children, but you saw her and you gave witness. And now you can tell them your story and that there's a way out. And I know it was hard. This is how you get back. Yeah. Can I just ask a really quick question? So while you're in the middle of this, hellish experience are you also like you're you're aware that you're writhing but how aware of you are are you of your surroundings are you like um unconscious to that part or i'm fully aware fully aware i have someone next to me she's just very still and serene Mm -hmm. and i'm next to the altar Mm -hmm. so i have them coming and they can see me Mm -hmm. and and i felt like i needed that Mm -hmm. and so Uh, Martin, who's this big, beautiful silver fox man from the Netherlands, he was the one who was holding my hand and he said, I think you need to have the rape. The rape is uh, ceremonial ash and tobacco Mm. and it gets shot up your nose. Mm -hmm. So he blows it into the nose and it's meant to cleanse and clear you out of whatever level of consciousness you might be stuck in. And I was willing to do anything at that point. So I sat up with my sweat all over and uh, brought the wood um, contraption to my nose, took a deep breath and he shot it up there and it pierced my brain and I Mm -hmm. gagged and I had snot coming out of everywhere. And I had this idea beforehand that I've never really had a chance to break. I've always had to persevere. I've always had to work and go to school and, be somebody in the world carrying trauma mm-hmm. without a dedicated time or space to just break. And in that moment, I fucking broke. Mm-hmm. I got to break. And then he said, we have to do the other nostril. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. And I was like, no, 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 no. And he said, no, we have to. Wow. And so so and we yang, did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that with all the things that you had learned to do up until that point, when you got there, there was nothing that you could do to alleviate it until you asked for help. Mm-hmm. And because you were willing and in that space, the help came. And then through that help, you were shown and became a healer yourself or shown that you could be a healer yeah. yourself with that kind of thing. We're previously you had not been so i mean there's a there's a lot there there's a lot there and that's i i've seen that time and time again and i think that's the way stuff is supposed to be and that's just a that's just day three (laughs) that was ceremony three and and i i started to come out of it so after the rape uh that's interesting that it's it's ash and tobacco yes 
That's super wow. interesting. Ceremonial done in, in, in most of these kinds of ceremonies. Like, who's the first person that figured that shit <laughs> right. out, right? They, Let's they, try this. they smoke it too, and, and, and you'll learn that there's other ways to utilize sure. it. But I went and I was able to get myself up and into the restroom, and I just kind of gave myself a little shower in that sink, and I was just, oh my gosh. I sat by the fire, and I just kept thinking, wow, I went to hell. And I'm on the other side. I made it out of that. That was brutal. That was hard. But I'm not in it anymore. Oh, wow. And that night, more than any other, once the ceremony had ended, we still stay up there. The fire's still going. They put some recorded music on. We had small circles and groups of, of women around the fire laughing. We had so much laughter that night. It was one of the best nights as far as medicine and laughter we laughed so hard and I just needed it and one of my friends she was still having these little visuals and rocks were turning and laughing at her she just she had permagrant and perma laughter and I stayed with her and we went downstairs they always offered fruit and bread and tea and I hadn't partaken yet so I went down and had some grounding, you know, tea and fruit and laughter. And then she suggested um, skinny dipping in the pool under the stars. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I'm all in. Yes. Down. Yep. So we ended that night of hell with one of my, my favorite moments, just Aww. swimming and laughing and contemplating, philosophizing. So I made it out. <laughs> the next morning, there was an offering, and there was an offering before other ceremonies of Cambo. Ah, okay. Can you tell us what that is? So Cambo is also an ancient um, medicine. It's taken from a poisonous frog in Peru. The frogs are not harmed in the process. Um, they're held, and they're secretions are scraped off and then cooled into little balls of, of their poison. Mm. This poison is highly medicinal. It has a lot of qualities for the gut. It helps to reset the nervous system. Um, it's kind of like getting a vaccination naturally in, in what it does. And it has a lot of psychological benefits as well. Mm -hmm. It's meant to open up new portals. Um, and it's really... Um, complementary to the ayahuasca okay. ceremony so you can do that and then take ayahuasca yes okay some people it was recommended like oh you've had these experiences we really think that the campo would be something for you no one recommended it to me but i was up there because i said i need to make sure i don't go to hell again please yes. <laughs> so yes. if there is a way that i can help myself not go to that realm i would really like to do that so there were about seven of us and the shaman is there again and he comes around and you actually have to have points on your skin burned oh because the poison has to go into the bloodstream that way. Okay. So he comes with a, a rope, um, kind of like a thin rope and it's burned and he burns the points on your skin. The surface of the skin is kind of rubbed off mm -hmm. and then he has a long wooden leaf that has the little poison, they call them points, on it. And he takes it off with the tip of his knife and then places each point in 
the holes that he's burned on your skin. So when you're new, you start with about five. So I had five points in. Before that, you have to drink nearly a gallon of water within 20 minutes. Uh, wow. Which I think was probably one of the hardest parts. Yeah. Um, some people didn't make it. They vomited before they actually uh, had the points in and had to start over. Mm. So you have the water. You're sitting in a squatted position uh, like Malasana with stacked mm-hmm. um, support. And you have a bucket. So one of the main components of the cambo is that you're going to vomit Mm -hmm. and you're meant to vomit to the point of getting bile out of your stomach. And the shaman can actually read your bile and know what kinds of things are happening in your body (laughs) by what what color and, uh, you know, consistency your bile is i don't think you could find that class here in southern (laughs) (laughs) and this all sounds so crazy to me even saying it and i would have never in a million years imagined voluntarily participating in something like this but when you're in the jungle and you've already taken the steps to to heal and this is being offered i thought I, I'm going for it. Right. I mean, you've already been to hell. I've already been to hell, so it can't it can't get any How much worse could that be? Right. Well. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> well, um, I just felt the surge of heat rising towards my face. The face swells a little bit because it's like a frog. And I felt the urge to go to the bathroom right away. And so I asked for help and I went to the bathroom, I bottom purged, and I was just on the toilet feeling as sick as you can imagine, like the worst food poisoning you've ever had. My whole body was flopping and I was hot and I just felt absolutely horrible. And I thought, what am I doing? (laughs) What is this? I don't, I I hate it. I'm hating this. This is a bad choice. Mm -hmm. And so the helper walked me back to my spot. I sit and I thought, I'm not vomiting. I haven't vomited since 2015. Like, I can tell you when the last time was. I just don't have the urge. It's not in me. And I thought, I'm not going to throw up. And that's what they want me to do. I, I quit. I called the helper over and I said, take him out. Just take him off of me. I I don't want to do it anymore. And then he told the shaman on me. (laughs) I don't think he really knew what to do with someone wanting to quit in the middle of the ceremony. And I'm not a quitter. But I thought, I, I can't. I don't want to, it's, it's too bad. And so the shaman came over and he knelt down and he looked me right in my eyes and he said, you don't want to complete the process? Oh, oh, oh. This is your life. This is life. Oh my goodness. You need to complete the process. It gets hardest right before you make it to the other side. And then he looked, <laughs> then he looked in my eyes and he said, oh, your eyes are green like the frog. <laughs> you have the green eyes like the frog. And I tried to give him that look that the ayahuasca told me the ceremony before that I give people when I'm dissatisfied. And he just laughed at me. <laughs> and I said, OK, what will you do? And he said, you're going to open your mouth wide and I'm going to shoot the rape into the back of your throat and it will make you vomit. And I was like, okay. Uh, 
if that's what you tell all the ladies that they have frog eyes to get them to open up their mouth. That line worked well for the girls. <laughs> so I did. I opened wide. The rape went into the back of my throat and it provided the gag reflex and I did vomit. Wow. And so I sat there with my little bucket and I said, I, I did it. Take them off. I want the poison off of me now. Right. <laughs> I really, I completed the process. I'm done. Um, and that moment and that ceremony and that experience, I think is one of the best thing that's, things that have ever happened to me. Wow. <laughs> I really do. I really do because it helped me to remember that when it's the hardest, you have to persevere. And that night in ceremony, ceremony four, I had gone into it having just read um, in my book about the Dharma and about the Four Noble Truths, the idea of grasping. And I felt myself wanting to grasp onto the profundity of the felt experience in ceremony. Mm -hmm. And the line that I read was, your intention or your goal does not diminish when you release the outcome. Oh, wow. And so I recalibrated my intention. My whole walk up into ceremony was, I am here for healing. I'm here to heal my mind, my body, my spirit, my emotions. And I hadn't really gotten a lot of insight with my mother. My mother is a huge source of suffering and trauma for me in my life. And I had received insights into why she is the way she is, but nothing really big around her. So I asked for this. I repeated my intentions and we went into ceremony and there's this um, mantra I had been practicing, which is this moment is like this at any time, just this moment is like this. So as the medicine came on and I asked for less this time, (laughs) (laughs) I will will take, I will take a medium (laughs) is fine. And it came on really beautifully again. And everything was just so, it was nourishing Mm. and it was kind. Oh, that's an awesome word. I love that. And so I started to say, this moment is like this, and it shifted into this moment is love. This is love. The music is love. Everything is love. The fire is love. I was just in this frequency of love. And once Ayahuasca had me there, she kind of grabbed me by the shirt collar and pinned me up against the wall and said, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. And she said, you have to bring your mother into this frequency. You have to bring her here. And I said, I can do that. Wow. And I would have never in a million years dreamed of being able to do that. And when I brought her in, I saw her in a dark room, in the corner, in a ball Mm. of shame. Mm. And what ayahuasca told me was that every time I have the thought in my trauma loop cycles, Mm of you're such a horrible person. I wish you would just die already so that I can give up any hope that you'll ever do what's right. You're the worst mother that has ever existed. Every time I would think these things in my mind, Mm -hmm. she would shudder in her ball of shame Mm. and that it wasn't helpful. (laughs) 
it wasn't helpful. Right. It wasn't helpful for anybody in the whole world, for me, for my daughter, for my family, for you, for anybody. It wasn't helpful. And she took me to my mother in the womb of my grandmother. Oh, wow. And I could see the flicker of original light that she was born with. Mm-hmm. And I experienced how horrible her birth was, her, her being carried, her, her home life. I got to see all of it. And ayahuasca told me to focus on that little flicker of light in her heart to tell her to remember who she is. Mm. And I practiced metta a million times. Mm -hmm. May you be happy and free. May you feel safe and protected. Mm. May you feel healthy and strong. Mm. May you feel joy and at ease. I practice Ho'oponopono. I'm sorry. I love you. Please forgive me. Thank you. Over and over and over, I gave this to her. I, uh, ayahuasca told me I had to tell her that I love her. And I don't know love for my mother. Right. I don't know what that is. But I knew that I could with the help of my deities and, and, and people of compassion, that I could give her compassion. That I had the capacity to see her as a suffering human mm-hmm. that happens to be my mom. Right, exactly. And I could say, I love you. Oh, wow. I could have never imagined that. And so I just sat with that. That was the whole ceremony, was being able to turn my whole heart towards loving compassion for those who have hurt me the most. So beautiful. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. (laughs) It blows my mind still that the medicine could do that. And then I just, I I spent the evening just basking in this really beautiful feeling of compassion and love. And then after that, I got to, I got a little scared. I I thought, okay, what if this slips through my fingers like a dream? What if this, what if I go back to not loving my mother? What if it's really hard to continue to practice Mm -hmm. compassion towards her? And I understood that to be grasping. Very good. And in our integration circle the next day, and this is what ayahuasca had told me needed to be done, I explained to them what had happened for me. And I said, I need your help because my mother is so disconnected from her light and from the love that she actually can encompass that we all need to direct metta towards her and help her remember her light collectively. Oh my goodness. And so we imagined her being in the center of our circle and we spent about five minutes, all of us, giving her metta. Oh my goodness. And love and compassion. Wow. So that was ceremony four. Wow. (laughs) My goodness. So just each one was different. Very. And do you do you have like um, reservations as you start, like it, from one to two? You're about ready to take the cup again, and do, do you have reservations? Do you think, oh my goodness, or no? I I felt so ready for it. It was so beautiful, and I had prepared for so many months. You know, ceremonies one and two, three. When I took the most medicine, from three to four, I had some fear. Yeah. 
Right. I, I was like, oh my gosh, that was really, really tough. So I did have reservations. I did have fear. Um, but after my ceremony in four, and we went downstairs, and you know, we'd been following this diet. They had a big jar of peanut butter, and it was like the most joyous thing <laughs> you can imagine. Like, like peanut butter does. I was like, oh, so by ceremony five, uh-huh. I had already checked myself on my grasping. And I released any idea of wanting to hold on to the ceremony, knowing it's the last one and I don't want to lose the feeling. I I let all of that go. Mm -hmm. And I honestly thought going into ceremony five, I'm doing it for the peanut butter at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good. And so um, I, again, I took a medium uh, amount and it came on very beautifully and I can't say much about any insights or anything that happened because I was letting them come and go so fluidly. Oh, nice. I was just enjoying the moment Mm -hmm. as I was in it. Now, I was getting eaten like crazy by the mosquitoes. So at some point, I asked Martin if I could please get set up by the fire. And he said, oh, I set it up for you. you. I do everything for you. It's okay. And I said, I also have to go to the bathroom. I take you. I take you. We go to the bathroom. <laughs> you come out. And so he took my entire mat and everything and oh put it my. under the tree. He set oh. me up really nicely. And I spent the rest of the evening under the stars with the fire. We had some sing-alongs. So uh, Let It Be was one of our oh, sing-alongs. Nice. Uh, three little birds, Bob Marley. Oh, wow. <laughs> Beatles and Bob Marley. Yeah. yeah. Peanut butter. That's <laughs> it. Peanut butter. That's all yeah. you need. <laughs> so it was it was joyous and loving and kind, and I just had a lot of experience of being in my heart, and that's something that healers and therapists have helped me with before. I'm I was so in my head all the time. I could conceptually think of what it meant to be in my heart, mm-hmm. but here I was actually in my heart. I was actually coming and living from that space, which was brand new for me. Mm-hmm. And then we went downstairs and, and we had fruit and peanut butter and laughter. And I was really ready to get out of the jungle. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you know, coming home and the first week of, of being home was challenging. And I, bet. I was exhausted. I slept for like 14 hours oh my goodness. each day. And it led up to... Um, the following weekend, hiking Half Dome in oh, Yosemite. Nice. <laughs> That's strong. Yeah. <laughs> How was that at the top? Um, Spiritual? Yeah. So so the moment I had spoken of with the moment of wanting to quit, I'm afraid of heights. And you did Half Dome. I did. Well, that's the mountain you want to climb if you're ready. (laughs) So, you know, it was the summer of just facing everything. And so I had studied the cable section of Half Dome so much, thinking that that was really going to be the most terrifying part. Mm -hmm. I was wrong. (laughs) So the most terrifying part is Sub Dome, which is the rock formation that you climb over to get to the base of the cables. Within a quarter of a mile, it's about 600 feet of elevation. And in my mind, when I read about it, I thought maybe it was going through a forest, like really, really steep. Mm-hmm. But no, these are rock steps etched into the edge of this my huge rock formation. Right. One foul move and you're a goner. You die. 
And my friend said, just keep moving. Don't stop. Don't look up. Just yeah. keep going. Yeah. Whatever you do, just keep going. Right. And the whole hike, she had never left me. She went far ahead of me. It was hot. I was already on mile seven and a half. I was exhausted. And I kept banging my hiking pole mm -hmm. and, and scaring myself. Oh. oh my gosh, you know, that was a misstep or mm -hmm. almost tripping. And everything in me was trembling. And I just started to get really, really, really scared. Mm -hmm. I could see through my peripheral vision how high I was, but I dare not look around. And then finally I got to a point where there were no more steps and you had to scale the rock. Oh. I don't scale rocks. <laughs> I don't scale. <laughs> so I had to pull over and, and I sat under the shade of just one little tiny tree and I put my walking poles, you know, my trekking poles back inside of my backpack and I just cried. I shook and I cried. My teeth were chattering. Mm. I thought, I, I don't want to go back down. Going down is just as terrifying as continuing to go up. Right. So I'm kind of stuck. So maybe the helicopter just comes and rescues me from right <laughs> here. This like, is where they get me. This yeah. is it. And I thought about my Cambo experience. Mm. And I, I, I knew I had to complete the process. I didn't, I'm not going to go this far and not complete the process. Wow. And so I just had to muster up my strength and just, and just go. And there was more scaling. And once I finally got to the platform leading up to the cables, I looked up at the cables and said, well, at least there's cables. <laughs> at least there's something to hold on to. Right. Um, but I was, I was really terrified and I, I had a bit of a fit and I, I cried and I was shaking and I didn't want to do the cables and I was watching people. Some people were slipping. Mm -hmm. They have wood planks, mm -hmm. but there are sections where they're missing some. Oh my. And you're at a 45 degree angle. Oh my gosh. Holding yourself up with people in front of you and behind you. Wow. So what got me over the cables was that there was another girl who I overheard her partner saying things that my friend was saying to me. Uh -huh. You got this far. You can do it. I'll be right there. It's not as bad as you think. And so finally I said, what's your name? She said, Erica. And I said, Erica, you go, I go. <laughs> <laughs> you go, I go. I'm not going unless you go. Are you going? And she was like, oh, my gosh, this woman. <laughs> so we decided how we would go. It would be myself, my friend, her, and her partner. Well, in front of me was a very young woman who had worn out tennis shoes with no traction. Oof. And she was really, really struggling. Oh and so we all had to activate our encouragement for her because if she falls, we fall. It would have been really right. terrible. So... We had to get her from plank to plank. She was having issues with breathing. Oh my so we really just went into a mode of getting her up. And that's what got me up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Now tell me when you got to the top, what was the feeling? Um, I was a little bit afraid of going down. Yeah, <laughs> so it yeah. was hard to celebrate too much knowing right. that I had to get down from where I just Do you came. come down the same way you go up? Sure do. Wow. <laughs> Look at Lisa. No. And then you there know, was a 93 year old guy did that last month. I think I had to think of that. And then there's a section where um, people are taking photographs. So there's a ledge that's a famous 
place for taking pictures. And I was like, I'm not doing that. My friend said, don't you want to complete the process? That's the last no. step in the process. <laughs> so I'm watching people just in your face. standing with their peace sign. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I scooted on my butt and I scooted out to that ledge on my butt and I completed the process. It counts. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we had the long trek down, but going down was so much better than going up because I could see. And I actually went down face first on those cables until I had to repel and, and turn around. But right. I I liked being able to see nice. where I yeah. was. Wow. And going down subdome, I was happy to see where I was going uh-huh. without the fear of, oh my gosh, I'm getting so high up here and I can see. Right. And right, right. So it was helpful. It was, a, it was a long day. It took us about 14 hours. It was oh my goodness. about 19 miles. <gasps> And, uh, Amazing, and it and it just recalibrated me back into humanity. There's so many people in Yosemite where we were staying. There were all kinds of situations where I was snapped back into humanity, and I went to work the next day. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you were just boom, boom, boom! Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Such a journey. As briefly as possible, how or what? did this change in relationships with husband and daughter or is it ongoing oh it's definitely ongoing but there was so much healing that happened with my relationship with my daughter and it happened within my heart it happened in the spiritual realm that you get it did she get it? She understood it? She completely understood. Yeah. yeah, she's so connected to me. She's always been a protector. I've always been candid with her about my trauma, my upbringing. And so she has been burdened with my depression. And I asked Ayahuasca to, Ayahuasca to please repattern her neuropathways that were damaged because of having a depressed mother. And so I got to witness ayahuasca do surgery on her in ceremony. And I am so much more connected with her. I'm so much more patient. I can see my role in her life very differently than I ever have. And with my husband, I mean, he's just always a saint and always happy and joyous. And the way it's shifted for for us is that he's asked me questions. I've had a couple dreams about my mom. Um, some violent and, and angry, but I turn towards compassion now as a felt experience. And he'll ask me questions about her and he'll say, is it okay if I ask this? Because before it might have triggered something. And oh, I, uh-huh. I said, you can ask me anything. And he feels so relieved. Ah. He says, that really helps me. It helps me to okay. not harbor this anger that, that we've had for so long. Right. So I think there's been a shifting in in our relationships and that they're able to release the anger that has been held because of my victimhood. Right. And this, this has broken generations of cyclical trauma for you and your family. Very much. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. I, uh, can I just, I'm going to ask one question. What would you say to someone who would say, you know, I'm really kind of considering an ayahuasca experience. What would you say to them? I would say do your homework. Make sure that if this is something you're being called towards, that you prepare yourself mentally, spiritually, physically, 
and that you fully research the place where you're going to be receiving the medicine. So this was one of the most important things um, for me. I was told about someone that I knew who had gone to the specific uh, Lotus Vine Journeys um, ceremony space. Mm -hmm. And I called him and interviewed him. And when he told me all that he did and what a safe container it was, it sounded like everything I needed it to be. And that's when I knew that's when I had the reassurance that this was the right one for me. So I would say, make sure that you research and know Mm -hmm. that you're going to be cared for in every way. And don't go cheap. Yes. Nice. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Right. If you're going, it's kind go of like getting help. a tattoo. Yeah. Spend the money. Yeah. Uh, and make sure they got good peanut butter. Uh, yeah. The peanut butter matters. Peanut, the food peanut matters. Peanut butter matters. <laughs> it does matter. All right. I mean, I could talk forever, but yeah. If I open my mouth more, I'm gonna start crying again. Thank you, Jesse. Oh my. My God. pleasure. Oh my God. I, you know, I I can't thank you enough, and your your. Uh, honesty and willingness to be gritty and tell the story i i just thank you and our listeners thank you for that as well so thank you my pleasure all right y'all have a good day be good humans take that and uh maybe everybody takes a nap right now (laughs) okay see ya until we meet again 